Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 15th, 2022. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, uh, looking to do a Flintstones. <laughs> Caffeine rage. On today's show, we'll of course be discussing some games that we've played. Russia has reportedly legalized piracy in the face of economic sanctions. Advance Wars 1 and 2 reboot camp delayed due to, quote, world events. Microsoft is testing ads in the Windows 11 File Explorer. In our community corner, we have Artesian Build CEO offers, quote, apology, shuts down. And we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, feeling a lot better than I did last week. That is good to hear. Let's just put it this way. Uh... Monday started feeling like something was coming on. Tuesday, sneezing, coughing, just feeling the yeah. From Wednesday through to today, just massive migraines, sinus pressure, and a lot of very colorful nasal discharge. Yeah, grody. But I understand. Been there many times in my life. And we'll be there many more times, I'm sure. Yeah. Human bodies are disgusting. Yeah, especially yours. Oof. Amen. That's uh that's what I've been told. So anyways. <laughs> now, now that now that everyone feels sorry for me because the sad music played. Um Oh hey, plate. What games have you played, Rage? Look at there. So we slipped right into that one. So I played over the past couple weeks. I will admit I did not play that much this past like four or five days just because didn't really have the concentration for it. Right. I've been playing something else on and off, but it's just uh yeah, today's really the first day that I feel like I'm completely clear headed. Yeah. I've been playing some far-changing tides, and it's interesting. So, have you ever played the first uh, game, uh, Far uh, Lone Sails? No, I, I will say I'm familiar with it. Um, you've talked about it before, yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah, I, this, back on my old YouTube channel, I did a actually a review of it. It's one of the few that I did a full-on review, because it's a short game. Yeah. Uh, the the idea of it is think of it as like a road trip game. Well, even though it's not really a road trip, it's more. Well, it's partly on uh, uh, on this buggy thing and partly on a sailboat. And but it handles like a platformer, where instead of you know pressing a certain button or something uh, to uh, add a control panel to manage your ship. Uh, you're running around hitting switches and uh, physically manipulating uh, uh, the ship to raise the sails, lower the sails, uh, raise and lower the mast, turn on and off the boiler, that sort of thing. Uh, and adjust the throttle and 
if need be, uh, get a hose out to cool down uh, the the boiler core so that it doesn't overheat and, you know, go stop the ship. Right. And it can get, it, it's kind of, it's this weird mix match of chillax, watch the scenery go by as you're on this adventure, but also frantic moments of uh, really panic as you're trying to uh, get through this section without causing a lot of damage to your ship so you have to stop and repair or use a lot of fuel because uh, uh, some sections are will be where you'll have a choice of using the furnace uh, to uh, propel yourself along or use wind power and save some fuel and just kind of enjoy the scenery. Right. Uh but uh, there's a couple differences on this one. One is that the scale of the game is a lot bigger, which I'll touch back on in a little bit. But also that there are sections where the ship is now a submarine. So you're also managing uh, the ballast, which is also used using the same controls that controls the temperature of the boiler. So there's times that you're having to frantically go back and forth to cool the boiler, then connect the hose back up to the ballast tanks to uh, change those. And it could get very, very hectic and honestly, sometimes a little frustrating. Because a lot of this is all contextual menus. or Oh, not even menus, but buttons. If you look at the screenshots on the uh, store page, you, know, you see all the teal uh, items. Uh, that's either things that you have to pay attention to or things that you can interact on. So, like, on the top of the ship, there's the button that you hold and press in to uh, lift up the mast. Then you climb the mast, grab the thing at the top of it, jump down to raise the sail. And then there's another thing that controls the angle of the sail that if you hold it at the right angle, uh, you get essentially a burst of speed. And like I said, there's a lot going on. Right. Which kind of flies in the face of this whole chillax adventure. I mean, the original game had its moments of hecticness, but it was, but it's it felt like it was all towards the end of this uh, adventure. You know, coming up on that last bit, where this it's uh, certain set pieces are more frantic than others, which is a bit annoying, in that the set pieces are so huge. And this is, I hinted at you uh, before saying that I'm not as far along in this game as I wanted to be. And part of that is due to the save system. Right. So the game has a checkpoint-based save system where after each set piece, you, uh, the game auto-saves and it doesn't auto-save again until you get to the next set. Or in some cases, past the next set piece. And there's times that it's a good 30-plus minutes for the next save point. And that's not counting, you know, uh, doing some exploration because, you know, sometimes you just want to stop and try to find things to burn because, right. you know, you're trying to build up on your fuel. Uh, or, or looking like there's uh, more places to explore than there really is because the game has this... Uh, uh, background that sometimes it's a little hard to tell if it's an obstacle, if it's something that you could explore, 
or if it's just something that you're passing by. A good example is actually the second screenshot that kind of shows the entire uh, ship. Uh, a section uh, just past that, there's pillars in the background, and one of the pillars is close enough that if your sail is fully extended, you're going to hit it, and you have to repair your sails if you hit it hard enough. And it can be very irritating to try to judge what is an obstacle and what isn't. Yeah. So, like I said, there, I do have my beefs with the game. Oh, I still plan on going through and playing some more of it and uh, probably fish it, uh, finishing at some point. But it feels like uh, uh, they expanded the original game to the point, but they didn't expand, uh, yeah, didn't put in a proper save system, so it, you know, it makes it a little bit more annoying than it should be. And there's just so much more on top of everything else. So, you know, you're uh, going through the different set pieces can be a little bit frantic. And also, the game does not like my controller. It does not like the uh, DualShock 4 controller, and I could not get it to work if my DualShock controller was even turned on. It would just sit there and detect no controller. Which was irritating, so playing it with keyboard and, well, just keyboard... Everything is on the left uh, hand, you know, WSD and with the interact being E. Mm -hmm. And and it's just a bit cramped, a bit cumbersome. And I know I could rebound those, but at the same time, I don't know why it doesn't like my DualShock 4 controller whenever I've never had an issue with it that like that. I've had ones where it would detect uh, the emulated controller, but having it where it won't pick a pick up something that's on direct input at all or even pick up the uh x input controller i did not try it with the steam controller because it's i'm playing it through game pass so didn't really see the point on that one right but yeah that that is also another you know semi mark against it and there's been other people that's uh with similar setups to mine that's also had this issue so yeah so not an uncommon problem. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's an uncommon problem. Although I have an uncommon control scheme. So it's a common problem for an uncommon control scheme. How about that? Fair enough. But it does have uh, sort of the atmospheric uh, storytelling that uh, I, I hate even bringing it up, but yeah, the one everybody talks about the atmosphere, uh, storytelling, Dark Souls, huh? Right? <laughs> right. It uh, has uh, sections where it's very story he heavy, talking about this apocalypse that uh, elders uh, uh, seem to foretold, and everybody evacuated the cities. Uh, this is all just a, a series of mu uh, murals on, on the wall that you that you're going past. So yeah, very guesswork on my part. Uh, There's some sort of apocalypse that happened, and everybody uh, uh, evacuated, and you're left behind for whatever reason. So yeah, uh, the uh, other major update mechanic is that you're able to swim and. Uh, dive around uh, in the water. Uh, most of the time, you're uh, uh, 
it's kind of inconsequential until you know you're at a set piece where you're you know forced to go down to the water and check stuff out and pretty much the it's uh if you uh, can't go up uh you know you have to dive down uh, through the water and look for something to pull on uh you know you're always looking for these tan uh or sorry these teal uh icons or these teal uh interactable objects so it's it has a very fluid uh, progression on things, you know. Yeah, where you know it, it doesn't feel like there's this. Um, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Uh, there, it doesn't. Ever, it never feels like I'm completely stonewalled. You know, it if I uh, hit a dead end in one direction. It usually means I need to try something different or uh, something that looks like it's uh, I shouldn't be using that yet. Actually should. Like a good example is towards the end of what I've played so far, there's a, a door that's under the water that I was going to check out after I figured out my way forward. But it turns out that uh, sliding that hatch open... Uh, uh, connects to a uh, a cargo container that I need to use a crane on my ship to lift up uh, to uh, uh, get the resources needed to uh, uh, move the ship forward a bit more. It's a little it's a little bit hard to explain without just going, "Oh, I did this, this, and this," right? Right. Yeah. Because I don't want to spoil all the set pieces, and there's not a. T- ton of uh really uh, there, there's it's kind of this set piece interlude set piece interlude uh, uh set up where if you remove the uh downtime in between you know going between the major story beats you'd probably be taking out half the game but that's kind of the point of it you know the 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 journey along the way right yeah I would say worth checking out at the very least. I know, I think it was Ghost Shark that was uh, talking about looking at it as well. Yeah. I mean, it sounds interesting. It sounds like something I'd probably like. Yeah. Just, I think it's I think it's more up your alley than mine. Uh, it's just that save system. There, there were several times that I wanted to play it. But I wasn't sure if I would have enough time to get to the next save point. Yeah. So instead, I would like fire up SnowRunner and do a mission on there, or, you know, or start something on there, because I know that at any point I can stop and save. Right. Which there's something to be said for that. There are games that sometimes I won't play or won't start playing, even if I want to, because it's like, mm, I'm going to be locked in until I finish a thing, or, you know, if I play it for 45 minutes and then turns out that I, like, you know, fail or lose or something, then I'm going to feel like I wasted my time. So I get that. But yeah, is that. Yeah, and it just feels like there's no reason that there should be that, you know, gating, right? Yeah. Okay. So well, uh, on to yours. Yeah. So um, I've been playing a game called Craftopia. It's on Game Pass. Um, I've been playing it for maybe 10 hours or so. Um, given the nature of the game, it, it might be one that I talk about again as it, as it progresses, but I, I want to talk about it sort of now with where I'm at 
in it um and then can kind of compare like earlier thoughts to later thoughts craftopia is a interesting mishmash of game mechanics or inspired game mechanics to form a uh, survival crafting game so the game has got a very cartoon you know sort of pleasant appeal it's it's made um made by japanese game devs or people who live in japan um some something like that um initially launched into early access in 2020 um, it's a very it's got a very very cute sort of anime inspired art style um lots of bright light colors bright music sort of happy sound effects and things but it plays like someone smooshed together um breath of the wild with valheim and then like threw in a bunch of like sci-fi stuff into it as well so the the menus the um you know the inventory menu and the items like the item descriptions and what it is that they do and the icons for like health and hunger and whatnot all feel super inspired by breath of the wild the um uh it's got like a glider type system where that uh like breath of the wild does you can you can't use your shield for snowboarding but you can get like snowboards to you know slide around down hills and stuff um so you know those those mechanics feel inspired it's got a very similar not quite the same but a similar sort of climbing mechanic where that you will grip onto walls and you've got a stamina meter and you can climb up and you can jump to climb faster i don't know how changing weather conditions affects that yet i've seen changing weather conditions in the game but not all of the biomes that are present, which I'll, you know, I'll get to that stuff in a minute. But, you know, in those ways, it feels very inspired by Breath of the Wild. But then in other ways, it is a survival crafting game. And it does feel inspired by Valheim in the way that it sort of handles that. Like, food is, is like, if you don't eat food, your character will die eventually. But you don't have to constantly be eating food to keep some weird arbitrary meter from dropping. You have a meter for like your hunger level but it has to get dangerously low before you start taking negative effects and basically food acts as like a, a bonus system where that you you know you eat to keep your character full and if they hit a certain le hunger level they regenerate health automatically foods especially better prepared foods through the, the cooking system in the game give you additional bonuses like more attack power or extra stamina or speed or you know whatever stuff like that um it's got this sort of very broad strokes storytelling perspective which it gives you at the very least this stuff at the beginning of the game like this is a post-apocalyptic scenario something happened to the earth it's not clear if there was a war or an accident or what but human civilization has been destroyed and surprise the old gods are real like the Greek gods and the Egyptian gods, at least those two are, are mentioned like they're real and well, they're cooler anyway. Right. Very true. But, you know, they're real and they want to give humanity a second chance. And you have been chosen as the player, like have been chosen as sort of their envoy to rebuild the world and human civilization and rediscover technology. But this time they're going to intervene a little bit more than they did. And so you have access to magical powers and abilities that you can unlock as you play and so so there's this sort of like very broad 
leveling system where that you can increase some of your stats and unlock new abilities but for the most part it just sort of increases the level of technology that you get access to in your tech tree and in doing so you expand out from the starting area to other areas as you level up um it does do a instance type system like this is being you know promoted as a cooperative multiplayer game although it so far i haven't had any issues playing it by myself um but uh, each of the little island maps are instanced and as you grow and level you discover and unlock the new island maps and again you you know you get new technology so you start with very sort of stone age era technology you know you've got like rags for clothes and um wood and stone and bone tools and as you move up the in-game tech tree you get to sort of bronze era iron era and then like i'm in like renaissance era technology so i have access to basic like flintlock pistols and rifles if i so choose to use them but also melee weapons are pretty prominent um you have magic and it seems like following these rpg elements you can craft characters that stick to one combat style or the other i've kind of been going for a general perspective or a general build so that i can experiment with all the different stuff but there are are you know several different sort of tech tree or not tech trees, several different trees that you can uh, skill trees you can put points into as you level up um such as you get you know melee combos or uh damage boosts with ranged weapons and you can fire while you're jumping and um instead of having to be standing and uh magic new magical abilities and increases to your mana and magic damage and then there's kind of a general tree that's like this just gives you more health. This gives you more stamina. This gives you more bonuses from cooking. Um, and then there's a uh, one um, skill tree that's directed towards the crafting system. So, you know, your buildings have more health or you recover more resources whenever you dismantle something. Um, your animals that you can, um, you know, farm or the food that you grow and farm will have more bonuses to it or more health or more whatever you know but things directed towards the crafting system and then the crafting system itself is a little bit all over the place and it could be that it's like one of those things that you have to get farther in the tech tree before some of the stuff in the crafting system makes more sense there are plenty of survival crafting games that do a bad job with the tech tree progression so i'm not sure how much of this is bad job with tech tree progression versus early access like the game is still in active development you know one of those whole deals and they don't have the full tech tree implemented yet or or what but um some of the stuff makes really good sense you know you have basic crafting table um a few specific crafting stations to make like weapons or to make more things geared towards your house like you can do a bunch of decorations chairs and tables and curtains and you know carpets and those sorts of things but then also there are conveyor belts and automated like furnaces and crafting machines that you can make and like magic powered robots that seem to like commit suicide more than they do the job they're supposed to. But that could be that I'm doing something wrong. The game doesn't teach you things very well. It's got, you know, it's got classic tutorial dump at the beginning of the game and then nothing for the more advanced tech. So I've, I've had to go to like the wiki to look stuff up a number of times, um, which that happens a lot for better or for worse with survival crafting games. But um, 
there's a lot here. There's a lot to enjoy. There are things that feel like they just liked it, so they cribbed it from another game series. So, I mean, this game basically has Pokemon. You get, um, what are they called? Just Capture, capture Spheres, I think is what they're called. But, I mean, they're Pokeballs. And you fight um, the monsters. Well, let's just put it this way. On their store page, they have the Akira bike slide. Yes. Yes, that's in there, too. There's uh, hoverboards that you can get. And these are only the things that I found. But, yeah, they've got Pokeballs. And you can um, capture any any creature. You just have to get its health down into the yellow zone. Um, and then throw Pokeballs at it until you capture it. And then you can use the, your captured creatures for things. So, like, a bear or if you capture, like, a goblin or something um, is really useful for combat. And, you know, bear, go! And then they'll fight for you. Um, much more violent than than Pokemon because that bear will maul somebody's face and eat it. Um, but just or the you face. can, yes, just the face. Or you can use them for um, you can like throw the Pokeball into like a farming building you can create, and then they'll just like live there. And if they, you know, if it's a cow, it'll make milk for you, or if it's a chicken, it'll lay you eggs. You know that kind of thing. Um, or you can use them as slave labor until they die. Uh, in the early game, I think that there's more ways to get batteries and electricity in the later game. But in the early game, if you need batteries or electricity for something, there's only a what it calls the kinetic generator, which is just a big hamster wheel. And you can run in the hamster wheel until your stamina runs out. Or you can take one of your captured uh, not Pokemon Pokemon and throw it in there. And it will literally run generating power until it dies. Neat. Yeah, very neat. Um, uh, you know, this reminds, that reminds me of black and white when I left my worshippers on to uh, uh, pray 24-7. And then they starved to death. Yeah. But so, I, you know, we'll see. I haven't gotten too much into farming yet other than setting up some very basic crops that you need to farm to make, like, biofuels to make certain things. I've just kind of left farming alone. I'm I built a small base on the starter like tutorial island because it's very safe there and you've got lots of space to kind of spread out and try things and as I'm pushing inward and I'm going to clear out another island and use it as a base to practice more of the farming and the automation stuff. The the other thing that the game has that that I haven't mentioned yet is that there's dungeons. This is something that also it cribs from Valheim. There are boss dungeons and also just like regular dungeons you can run to get certain specific resources and uh, farm XP in order to level up and get rewards. Um, money's in the game. I don't know what the money's for. I haven't used any money yet. I've got a shitload of it. Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, so anyways, but yeah, you can run dungeons uh, and fight bosses and there's like one somewhat unique boss I'm, I'm not sure yet i haven't done enough dungeons to know if any if how often the bosses get recycled i've done three and so they seem they, they've all been unique so far but there's a lot of islands to go to so I've, I've only done three so far but they do you know seem to have some pretty different mechanics and the first few are like designed to teach you combat um because the low level monsters and are, are pushovers and you pretty quickly level up past them being able to really do anything to you. So the first few bosses are there to teach the different combat. There's one that's weak to like 
ranged combat and you can only hit it's like weak point with a ranged weapon there's one that's weak to melee combat he's like really like really fast but you know use terrain to dodge out of the way and he'll crash into it and then you, know, you can get some hits in um and then there's one that was re- resistant to physical damage so you needed to use magic to to really kill it i mean you could you could whittle it down with physical damage i guess if you didn't have any magic of powers but it was weak to magic so and then there, then there's race courses that you can go and you can take like your hoverboards and stuff to go race also for rewards it's fun it's a lot of fun um you know like i said i'm playing it on game pass um i probably would buy it on steam or something you know like probably what i'll do since i'm playing it on game pass is if or maybe when it, it goes to leave game pass i will buy it to keep playing if i'm still like into it at the time i think it's a good game um it's got a lot of promise as far as these survival crafting games go the i think the age of like everyone makes a shitty survival crafting game has passed for now and the ones that continue to be in development are solid um uh, solid games with a lot of effort and attention put into them i mean valheim a couple of years ago i think it was a couple of years ago maybe it was just one year ago was a very very good survival crafting game and then this one comes out around the same time you know very similar ideas of like these are the ways to handle these mechanics properly you know to not make them too tedious but to make them matter so you have to pay attention to them to give you enough progression so that you feel like that you can be making and learning and doing new things to give the people who need it that push for like a story framework but not making like a linear you know sort of story game that you feel like you're interfering with by just taking time to relax and build stuff. It's very cool. I'm looking forward to getting into the house building system to build like a nice house and figuring out the farming. And and like I said, unless something really opens up in the automation tech tree, like stuff that makes it worthwhile, I probably won't be doing too much of that, but I've still got a long ways to go because it does get to like sci-fi you know modern stuff and then sci-fi stuff a little bit later on in the tech tree so i got a long ways to go it's a good game i like it i think it's worth it you know if you have game pass and you like these types of games you know full hearty two thumbs up if you don't have game pass and you're not sure about buying it um i i think if you're someone who does very much like these games it's worth the 25 bucks or whatever it costs on steam if you're someone who's kind of into them, but you're not sure, it'll go on sale at some point. Pick it up for 10, 15, like solid. Two thumbs up. Good game. I like it. I also like that tea I just took a sip of. Well, I just finished off my coffee, so. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's it for games we played. You had one. I had one. Mm-hmm. Um, ready to move on to, to do the news? Yeah, so the Age of Piracy is back. <laughs> the Age of Piracy is back. Russia has reportedly legalized piracy in the face of economic sanctions. Yeah, so this is basically Russia nationalizing any copyrights that for companies that are bailing ship. I mean, this isn't necessarily limited to uh, the gaming space, but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, but there's talks of Russia. Taking over all the McDonald's, making uh, essentially McPutin. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I would eat a McPutin. I would McPutin, try that. You're loving it, or else. 
But this is uh, trying to find where it is on here. Uh, a uh, this is a suggested solution. So uh, not law of the land yet. Uh, essentially suspending the copyright for companies uh, or international companies that have revoked or refused software licenses to Russian users. So, yeah, right? Yeah. So using unlicensed software of any kind, as far as I'm aware, has been illegal in Russia for a long time. Like, I don't, I think that applies to like certain shareware stuff as well. Like, it's not even just like, you know, general software piracy, because technically that's illegal in the United States too, just for the most part, nobody gives a shit. Um, but they're, they're talking about revoking that to basically, if it's not nailed down, steal it. And we're okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, turning a, a blind eye to it, uh, uh, to just the copyright in general. Right. Yep. It says, uh, similarly, yeah, in uh, item so, 6.7.1, the ministry has reportedly proposed that Russia remove any liability for IP offenses when it comes to, quote, rights to an invention, utility model, industrial design in relation to computer programs, databases, topologies of integrated circuits, end quote. Yeah, this really makes me wonder just how quickly companies would want to pick back up in Russia. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the you know. I have seen projections as far out as like 20 years for Russia's economy to recover from what's happening. Like right now, I, the more conservative est- estimates have been around five years to see significant mm-hmm. economic recovery at the moment. Like if Russia just stopped and went home, you know, five years are like the conservative mm-hmm. estimates for how long it would take to rebuild. But, you know, who knows? Like, I don't, I, I think, you know, Major corporations for all of the shit that they rightly get have to have stable world governments and economies for them to be profitable. And Russia completely destabilizing destabilizing its own economy and Ukraine's economy and other, you know, sort of quote unquote localized economies in Europe with like really large effects and then sort of ripple effects through the global economy, you know, they're not going to want to go back to that right away. I don't think there, there will certainly be companies who will want to go in to take advantage of the situation. I'm not saying that that won't happen, but thinking of like big software companies and things like that, like, I don't know what they have to profiteer off of in rebuilding a, a Russian economy, you know? Certainly, I leave the possibility that that could happen, but I just don't see software companies going back to Russia if they've left. So, I mean, on the one hand, this kind of makes sense as like a government, you know, sort of foreign policy, like, you know, fuck it, steal what's not nailed down, you know, while we still have have the chance, you know, sort of a scorched earth policy. They're expecting people to, you know, and companies to not come back. So we're going to take everything we can while we can. And kind of like how China oftentimes ignores international lawsuits brought against their companies. You know, the Chinese government will protect Chinese companies that, you know, infringe copyrights on a regular basis. I, I could imagine Russia doing the same thing in the future. Not the one I was looking for, but. What is. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. 
that's a bear. I, I, I saw a better version of it, but I couldn't find it. Yeah. So for the listener, this is like a bear foot, like a bear, you know, because yeah, the Russian bear. Yeah, a Russian bear foot stepping on a a small stack of Legos that are the colors of the Ukrainian flag. I thought it was brilliant the first time I saw it, and I wish I saved that one because it was this beautiful version of it. Yeah, Uh, uh, yeah, the Russian bear. Yeah, about to step on it. Yeah. But yeah, that works as well. That's very, very cute. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they expected this unified response. I mean, having some sort of sanctions and some sort of response, I think that was, uh, yeah, always going to be in uh, on the uh, table. But having this unified response from just not just governments, but also companies as well. Just once one pulled out, the other ones of that industry mostly uh, followed along, uh, and just the dominoes fell. Yeah. Now the question is, yeah, will they stay out, right? Yeah. And I think it's really going to depend on just how uh, the ruble rebounds, right? Because right now it's down there with the peso. It's worse than the peso. It's way worse than the peso. I, I was making a joke on that one. Fair uh, enough. Now see. I'm looking. Let's see. One US dollar. <laughs> let's just put it this way. Uh, you might want to turn that around because uh, it's 110 uh, uh, to the dollar right now. 110 rubles to a dollar. Yeah. So a ruble is still w- worth less than one US cent. Yeah. And what about the peso? Uh, let's do Mexican peso. I mean, it has rebounded, but it's uh, zero. Uh, sorry, point zero zero seven two on the seventh, which was the low point. It's up to zero uh, zero zero uh, nine one. Yeah, so it looks like a peso is worth about five cents, five U.S. cents. To give it an idea. Uh, at one point, a ruble was uh, point, uh, 0.014 uh, uh, dollars, so a, a penny and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's just truth, right? Yeah. Now, to be clear, how much a, a country's currency is worth is not necessarily a yeah, good indicator it, of its economic yeah, it, status. Yeah, but it gives a good indication for us just how things have fallen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because countries inflate and deflate their currency, uh, the value of their currency on purpose. I won't say on a regular basis, but from time to time in order to change sort of their relative buying power compared to another country or for it like recently. Well, air quotes recently in terms of the world stage within like the last 10 years, Japan purposefully devalued its currency to change something about its trade ratio i don't quite fully understand international trade obviously i'm not an expert but i remember there was there was a big stink about japan purposefully devaluing its currency for trade reasons that had a lot of people pissed off in the international community so but anyways yes russia they're there they did a big oof they're in they're in trouble 
And now they're possibly doing a bigger, more long-term oof. Yeah. Hey, but I, I did hear Papa John's is sticking around in Russia. <laughs> right, no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I believe you. <laughs> oh, Better than Dries, Conrad. It, it's a shame because they're one of the better, at least the local ones here, are the better chain pizzerias, but, right? Yeah. Papa John's pizza, as far as, like, you know, chain-style restaurants goes, is, I think, the best. But good old Papa John is a uh, shitty, problematic figure. Yeah, well, let's put it He's this way. He's not a good man. A local Pizza Hut is borderline inedible. Uh, it, it's better to heat up a frozen pizza. Yeah. Our local Pizza Hut's pretty trash, too. They've gone downhill a lot the last few years, which mm -hmm. Pizza Hut's been in financial trouble for a while now, so I kind of see why, but... Yeah. We've got a really nice pizza place that opened up, though, a couple of years ago called First Avenue Pizza, and that is some good shit. Yeah, well, my... My options is learn how to make better pizza and, or just... Suffer from Pizza Hut. Yeah. There's no real local places anymore. Yeah. And, and, unless you go all the way into Charleston, which, yeah. It's not a long distance, but at the same time, it's, yeah, not worth it. Right. Uh, especially with gas, how it is. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Don't get me started on gas prices. I'm sure that there's plenty of Biden stickers on the pumps here. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was another conversation that happened at work today. I completely forgot about that until you said it. And the um, the drug rep guy came in and he was like, yeah, I've been seeing lots of those little Biden stickers The I did this stickers. And Sarah was like, hey, hey yep. And I, I was like, yeah, because Biden started a, an international conflict with one of the world's largest oil um, and natural gas exporters. Yeah, that that happened. Yeah, Biden did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. Just so that you would have to pay a dollar fifty more per gallon at the pump. You know, Sarah probably has an entire roll of those stickers, right? Probably. Probably. She, and she probably believes that that's true. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, yeah, what's... uh? You, you want to go talk about something else that's kind of related to this? Yeah, so speaking of uh, Russia fucking things up, <laughs> uh, yep. no advance wars for the time being. Yeah. Due to, uh, well, uh, they don't... Nintendo didn't come out and say? Uh, it, it's because of the Ukraine conflict, but they said world events. Yeah. And, and the only reason you would... would that I, That I can think of, that you would delay the release of a game... That is a, a a war game where one of the factions is very clearly uh, a Russian no, no, stand-in. No, no, you mean it's totally not Russia, right? They're blue after all. Yeah, they are blue. But yeah, there's there's the um, the quote unquote American stand-in. I don't know why I said quote unquote. the The Red Army is is America, the American Army. Blue is Russia. Green is Germany, uh, like sort of World War II 
Nazi Germany esque, and then yellow is Asian, like Japanese. That's racist. That's that is racist. <laughs> and then black are the are the actual bad guys, which also that's racist. <laughs> that's super racist. Yeah. And oh, and in the in the Tech Raptor article, like you scroll down, like one of the advanced wars factions blue moon is explicitly inspired by russia and the soviet union like yes i think <laughs> one of the guy one of the generals i think is olaf like i think that's his name is olaf <laughs> it's been a long time since i've played so i could be misremembering that but i mean this makes sense it sucks i really like advanced wars and i've been thinking about buying um a switch oled uh on like ebay or something and this would be great, you know, a great like, oh, I'll buy a new Switch OLED and I'll buy, you know, the Advance Wars 1 and 2, the, the re-release to go with it. And, you know, they got delayed, so it kind of sucks. But that just means that I won't spend like 400 bucks that I don't need to spend. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe the Switch OLED would be more in stock whenever, uh, right? Perhaps. Perhaps. What's their... Uh... uh uh, a YouTube channel was doing a burn-in test on the Switch OLED, and at 3,200 hours, it started to see some real burn-in. 3,200 hours with... Uh, uh, a static image. Uh, which sounds like a lot, but at the same time, you also have to realize HUD elements, right? Yeah, but I'm assuming that's you leave it on and you don't mm -hmm. turn it off for 3,200 hours. Which is 133 days. Yeah, I don't think I mean, I'm going to I mean, leave this I mean, that's, that long. I mean, that's long enough that I don't think it's going to be that big an issue. But also, I'm uh, sitting there and thinking about people that just play one game. Because it's not just turning it off. It has to be a different image to you know, kind of refresh things. Yeah. And HUD elements are a major problem with uh, OLEDs, OLEDs. Because, you know, Right, yeah. So uh, the the comment section on that this was a few weeks ago. Uh, it popped up, I believe. Uh, Reddit. Some of the comments uh, were talking about how people were seeing faint burn in at at less than that from HUD elements, but yo, anecdotal evidence, right? Yeah. And it just could be people saying it as well, because, yeah, people going on the internet and laugh, right? Yeah, people go on the internet and make shit up. <laughs> what? No. So. Yep, I don't know if there's anything else to add to that. It just was like a quick, like, addendum to Russia doing Russian things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is why we can't have nice things, right? Indeed. Well, assuming that the remaster is nice, of course, because... It could uh, not be, right? Yeah, I don't see how you could fuck that up, but you know mm -hmm. what? You could. You absolutely could. Because at least Advance Wars 1 and 2 are from like 20 years ago, give or mm -hmm. take. Well, let's put it this way. I, I didn't go back and double check it, but there were people that claiming that the first Advance Wars was delayed because 9-11. Advance Wars 1 release date. September 9th. So it's right in there. So yeah, it so it could be a regional thing too. Yeah, or had issues with it. 
See, this says Advance Wars, original Advance Wars released September 10th, 2001 in the United States. Wikipedia claims unsighted that it was delayed in Europe and Japan due to 9-11. So, hmm, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe our Advance Wars is just cursed. Maybe. I mean, there's, you know, even though statistically speaking, the world is the most peaceful it's ever been, or at least, you know, perhaps not including the Ukraine, but maybe even including that, you know, there's always conflict somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to make something about war, you have to be like, I don't think it's unreasonable to, to need to, you know, consider that. But anyways, so yeah, uh, next new, I'm got away from our topics list. Let me get back over here. Our next news topic, Microsoft testing ads in Windows 11 File Explorer. So this is, uh, yeah, this as is you said, gaming a, adjacent. Yeah, and there's some uh, reports from Microsoft saying this was supposed to be an internal test. Even so, internal test, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't... I don't like Windows 11. I, I haven't used it. So my only experience is watching, you know, tech tubers discuss it. But I don't like Windows 11 in general. I don't like the layout, the way that it looks. Um, I know that you can, at least with Windows 10 and every other version of Windows, you can get, you know, Windows Shell or, or whatever to make it look and behave a little bit differently. Wait, while I, the I, course I, still I use Windows Shell on uh, Windows 10 to make it. Sort of a hybrid between uh, 7 and 8. Yeah, I really like Windows 10. 7 was great. 8, I didn't like the user interface of at all. Any of the 8s, any of the revisions. And then I liked 10. I really liked 10. But, I mean, 10 really is kind of the way that I've always thought about it. It's sort of like the next like the next step past Windows 7. It's like, okay, you got to make some changes because you feel like you have to like you know change the look. So the way that they change the look from 10 feels like a natural progression from seven. But I just, I don't like, and this very well could just be purely psychological. It feels too much like a Mac to me. I'm not an Apple guy. I never have been an Apple guy. And Windows 11 feels more like, you know, Mac OS to me. And I don't like that. And if that's, you know, purely just me and my biases, I would have to work that out. But shit like this, like putting ads in the start menu is bad enough. You can disable them. You can get things that, you know, hide or remove them. But putting ads in fucking File Explorer? Fuck off, Microsoft, with that shit. I'm already paying. I'm already going to have to pay for your OS. I'm already paying you a bunch of money for other stuff. Like, stay the hell away from my files. Leave them alone. If anything's going to push me to really, really use Linux, it's going to be this. Shit like this. Yeah, now I do want to highlight that this is a not a banner ad. This is like one of the tooltip ads, but it's still, ugh, right? Yeah. I just wanted to go full disclosure. This isn't, you know, going on any website ever nowadays without an ad block and, you know, having the entire file explorer blow up. It's just, it feels like it sets a bad precedent. Yeah, I agree. Even while, entertaining it sets a bad yeah, precedent. Yeah. And while Microsoft is backing away from this potentially uh, after the backlash, 
Yeah, gotta hold them to it because, right? Yeah, I, I, got- I can't even run Windows 11 because uh, you know I have an AMD processor, so I'd have to do a, a BIOS upgrade, which is always a bit scary, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. There's always a chance that you could break your your motherboard. Yeah. Don't need to do that again. Right? Yeah. Why not? Why don't you want to break your computer? Been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. Right? I don't I don't know when I'm going to upgrade my computer. Like, speaking of computer stuff, like, did you see... Um, I, I didn't realize this, but the, the city in China, whatever city got... Was it Shenzhen? That they locked the city down because they had a COVID flare-up? is one of, like, the biggest, you know, still currently, like, biggest uh, chip manufacturing locations in the world. Yeah, so... It's like, well... like uh, getting a, a video card at manufacturer's price, right? Yep, like, this year, I was thinking about, like, doing a PC, my, my PC upgrade, which is, you know, I'm gonna have to build a new PC where I'm at, like, you know just because all of my hardware is too old. Like, I have pushed my PC as high, as far as I can with my motherboard and and CPU combo that I'm locked into. So, I'm just going to have to start uh, over. uh, My next upgrade would be video card, but... Right? Yeah. But, I mean, even building a new PC and then just dropping my current video card into it and then waiting to upgrade to another one, or, you know, a newer one, like, Prices for everything are about to go way the hell back up again. Ram, mm-hmm. CPUs, like it's all gonna skyrocket. And I'd like to build a PC that will get I'll get another ten years out of because at this point this PC is going to have lasted me for ten years. In its current iteration, it started in 2014. So I'm at eight years on this machine, with the exception of graphics card and uh storage upgrades. Who's my good PC? Who's a good boy? You just hang in there, buddy. You just just hang in there. Yeah, no the one... original plan was to uh, eventually upgrade this one in a year or two for a new video card. But, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, between the world going to shit again. Hey, who, who, who was expecting a, a normal summer this year? Fuck you! Right. So, let's see. That uh, is that all we have to say about Microsoft? <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Microsoft. All right. Uh, Moving on to our next bit of news, then, which is a community corner. Artesian Builds CEO offers apology and shuts down. So I didn't read this. You were oh, going to tell it to me live. Uh, okay, so uh this all started on twitch like all good stories does the ceo of artesian builds uh who people have been mockingly called uh, calling star lord <laughs> because of the jacket he was wearing at the time right was hosting okay. a giveaway uh a giveaway slash live build of a, a system to give away all right okay and this was uh, for their ambassadors, basically the people that were shilling their, you know, uh, computers. You know. Well, he does the draw and then changes the rules 
because the person that he drew didn't have enough followers and didn't uh, stream enough for uh, for his taste. Then drew another name, uh, another small streamer uh, that uh, they were doing uh, that was part of their program. Drew again, got uh, one that they arbitrarily uh, said was uh, using the wrong banner. Uh, was using the old version of their banner, not the new one on their uh, streaming uh, thing. They pulled eight names before they got one that was marginal acceptable to the CEO. Bond you, before they did the stream, they just said it was open to the ambassadors. They changed the rules mid-sweepstakes. That is a big, big, big fucking no-no. Yeah. Especially Damn. for something expensive like a computer, right? Yeah. So, in mind you, this was a sponsored giveaway from Intel. Intel got involved into this mess and started uh, pulling uh, their sponsorship of Artesian builds, which started a domino effect. They started losing sponsorships because, right? In ad deals. Yeah, of course they would. The CEO uh, issued Apology ju- uh, do- uh, MPEG 4 uh, with a very marginal, uh, to use his term against him, a performance on just how sorry he was. And was basically talking about the possibility of an employee buyout because, you know, shit was going down. Then the state of California steps in <laughs> and starts investigating for tax uh, evasion because of the way they had their uh, company set up, supposedly. This one is kind of uh, just a very quick quip on a, a Gamer's Nexus video, which is uh, linked on... One of the uh, uh, on uh, the article and uh, essentially freezes the entire company. So, yeah, they're gone. Damn. I mean, if you wanted to do a PC giveaway to a specific person, then just give them a fucking PC. Uh, no, it wasn't even that. It was. Uh, they have this whole multi-level marketing uh, level of bullshit. So, so, uh, the, uh, Gamers Nexus or, uh, uh, either Gamers Nexus or, uh, I think Jim Sterling, uh, commented on this. Essentially the way they did it was that, uh, there's the ambassador program and then for every month that you're above a certain threshold, Mm. you basically get bumped up a level. So you have to shill for them for months to even be considered for any of their big prizes and these uh, giveaways that they get that they do every so often. I mean, they right. disqualified one person because they had no click-throughs on their ad. On the banner. Right? <laughs> right. That's terrible. I had never, and until this, I had never heard of Artesian Builds, though, so... I guess they weren't having people shill enough. Right? I mean, 
uh, their last tweet on their corporate March 8th, where Santa announced that effective now, we are freezing slash suspending all activities. Owing is analysis by outside counsel for reorg to ensure fair treatment of clients, creditors, employees. We expect more info by month's end. So far, nothing. Uh, we are open to assistance slash investment. <laughs> yeah, who would touch them at this point, right? Yeah, somebody. Somebody will. You know somebody will. Actually, that's not true. They might not, but I, I could imagine that someone would. And, and it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, okay, so this was the fourth monthly giveaway that they've been doing. Uh, uh, that you know, kind of... Oof, right? Yeah. And, and, do, and may I point out, Intel all over uh, the advertising on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, oh. Uh, let's see if the VOD is still up for this, because I want you to see how this guy was dressed. So put it this way. It's a six-hour-long VOD. Right, uh, and that includes the entire like stream giveaway, or yeah, yes, that's okay. the enti- that's the entire thing. It's just oof, right? That's the entire build up to the giveaway. That looks like they actually cut out that section. <laughs> if that's if that's this one, or oh no no no, oh here it is. Uh, once again, another thir- thirteen fucking hours. Does this guy just think he's a you know, a Twitch streamer? Not cutting off any of the cutting off or out of any of the downtime. Mm-hmm. No editing. That well, this is all live on Twitch. It's just oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad uh, for the employees, of course. Uh, uh, one having to deal with this t- tool, and two having the entire company get torpedoed because of them, right? Yeah. Feel bad for hey, anytime workers are hurt because their bosses are dicks. Mm-hmm. Always feel bad for them. That sucks. It's not their fault. Even if you're working in a shitty company and you know it's shitty, like maybe that's the only place you can get a job, or maybe you're hoping to use it just as like uh, padding for your resume or something. Like I can understand why people would work at places that are shitty. Mm-hmm. We don't have a system that's set up to give people. Most people, your sort of average quote unquote person, like the freedom of choice to avoid bad companies and, you know, just sucks. So I can understand those people working there. They don't okay. deserve right. that. All right. Uh, here's the, uh, the, the lady that won the PC, or I should say the first one that got drawn, because remember, they went through like eight names. I'm going to link this to you. Okay. Uh, she has a clip and mind you, she's gotten a big boost out of this and actually had somebody else build her a PC. That's nice of them. But see what I mean uh, by while people are calling her, uh, calling this guy star Lord. Oh yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that actually is like a, you know, a jacket you can buy from the Disney store or whatever, you know, uh, it's like frozen. I didn't lose you. Did I? No. Okay, it just must be a weird thing with the video. I mean, just... He sounds like a dick. 2K followers is under my threshold. Dick. And also, any redeeming qualities. 
Yeah. Well, it turns out he doesn't have redeeming qualities. Nope. And also, it, she does have a point. Not everybody has money for a PC. It's expensive. Yeah. How many uh, click-throughs are you expecting, especially in this market, right? Yeah. PC prices are up way, way, way up. Even pre-builds are you know, tough to uh, really to uh, get anything decent out of. Hell, I saw one uh, on Amazon recently. That would struggle on practically anything because they were running a very old video card. Yeah. And we're trying to sell it as a gaming PC. Feel sorry for the other guy there, you know? Yep, I do too. All right. Fuck those guys. <laughs> in particular. Fuck, fuck those guys in particular. So, Rage, where can people send us stuff if they want to send us stuff? Well, you can do so over at VGLpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, that is still active. Uh, you could uh, drop it to us on the Twitter, uh, uh, Podcast, or you could drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over there at uh, com. Sweet. So we have time, unless you or I, which I haven't crashed, so unless you have crashed or changed your mind, We've got time to do Discovery Q. Uh, hit the music. Sweet. As usual, I have my Discovery Q up and loaded. And uh, in honor of Artesian builds, have a nice death. <laughs> uh, a 2D action roguelite. Or roguelike. What roguelite? Where you play as an overworked death whose employees have run rampant and completely throwing off the balance of souls. And his vacation plans. <laughs> Early access game, because of course, right, from Gearbox. Or published by Gearbox, I should say. It's very cutesy. Uh, it has sort of a Hollow Knight feel to it. Uh, one with the, yeah, kind of the art style on it. Yeah. It does have some sort of uh, overarching progression, uh, progress uh, uh yo in between runs but i'm not sure exactly what's going on here but yeah i mean have a nice death thanks don't mind if i do um i got core keeper which i read about earlier this week um google had recommended it to me on like their news app or whatever some news about core keeper getting an update or something mm -hmm. Or its release date. But um, yeah, Core Keeper. Explore an endless cavern of creatures, relics, and resources in a mining sandbox adventure for one to eight players. Mine build, fight, craft, and farm to unravel the mystery of the ancient core. I have read that this is like a really good mix of Stardew Valley and Terraria, um, which makes me very interested in it. So. Um, it, it released March the 8th, so last week. Currently, it is $13 on Steam. I am I am tempted to buy that. Very tempted. I'm going to hold off and actually do a little bit of sort of proper research into it, but it's tempting. Uh, I have a combination uh, travel game city builder. Airborne Kingdom. Uh, 
not a ton of information actually on the store page. I mean, construct a uh, sky city and go uh, go on essentially an adventure. It does seem like people were saying that there's not a ton of content though, outside of just replaying the game over and over again, which is a little disappointing. Uh, the game seems to be more focused on uh, the experience more than you know, a difficulty uh, uh, curve, which. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how city builders are these days. They're more uh, of a theme park than a management. So, hmm. it'll be interesting to see you know, if that's true. If it's, it's you know, just kind of uh, content light. I mean, it kind of has to be if it's uh, you know, floating, right? Yeah. Touche. Or, you know, if somebody takes, takes this concept and uh, flushes out a bit more. So, yeah. Yeah. So I got Soul Ash or Soul Lash. I'm not sure the proper way to pronounce it. But it says, eat the villagers, murder bunnies, milk cows, or exterminate gods. Soul Ash is a traditional turn-based roguelike where your goal is to consume the, soul of the souls of the living, conquer the vast fantasy world, and decide its fate looks pretty good i like it i think i've been drifting more and more into liking roguelites and roguelikes over the last year or so i don't know why changes in i guess the stuff i like as i get older but this looks really intriguing to me um 15 bucks it's got a demo this feels like a game that will pop up on game pass in six months and that's probably where you should play it to try it out because roguelites are you know a dime a dozen yeah. still but um, I like it. It presents itself well. So I have... Oh, hang on to link this. You will snail. A precision 2D platformer where you are a snail trying to outwit an AI that's trying to kill you. Nice. <laughs> right? I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Just watch the trailer, right? Now, I'm not sure if this is, you know, uh, actually procedurally generated uh, uh, in, in some sort of scripting trying to kill you, or if it's just, yeah, the storyline of it, because, right? Yeah. But it does say dodge AI spawn traps, so, mm, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it has this kind of... Uh, neon techno feel to it, it but you're a snail a, a platforming snail how many of the ten, following 10 points do you like platforming evil ai antagonist silly voice acting reflex based action actual challenges a short but action-packed game fourth wall breaking variety gameplay secret hunting non-linear storytelling simulations ai and mysteries of the universe <laughs> right yeah Joe. I I got I got E Elex Elix 2. Didn't know there was an Elix 1. Um but Elix 2 it is called a sequel to a vintage open world RPG which is I think they're just trying to say it's a single player open world RPG that isn't complicated by quote unquote modern bullshit. That's that's what I am gathering from the description of this game. I mean, it's a science fantasy post-apocalyptic 
Well, it looks like Elix one released back way back in the past year, 2017. I mean, Rage, that's five years ago. That's <laughs> actually a decent amount of time. Um, so, I, sure. I, I mean, I love science fiction, science fantasy type stuff. I love a good single player open world RPG. I have no idea if this is good or not. Developed by Piranha Bytes, published by THQ Nordic. Looking at this, I say get the first one if you want to try it. It's 10, no, sorry, 20 bucks. And the new one is 50. So if you're really interested, probably try the first one. I mean, it looks fine, though. So I don't know. So, uh, are you got anything else? Oh yeah, I was gonna say it was like I don't, I don't think I need an un- open world RPG in my life right now. So I'm not as intrigued by this <laughs> as I might be otherwise. What you don't want to do, Elden Ring, where uh, you know everybody's fucking talking about it this week? No, I'm good. Good so, on that, sir. So I got Pinball FX3 Indiana Jones: The Pinball Adventure, uh, DLC for. Uh, Pinball FX3, which seems to still be going strong. Uh, my only down point on this one is that it's a fifteen dollar, uh, f- fifteen bucks for a single f- uh, table. Uh, Pinball FX3 has done really, really well at re- recapturing some of the feel of old style tables while doing things that old tables can't do. Uh, but it's a bit tough to really say uh, go in for this one when it's uh, 15 bucks for a single table especially when they have packages of several tables uh, that's less than that I mean I'm just looking there they have six volumes of uh, uh, multi tables so if you're into you know uh, Indiana Jones maybe and if you are into Indiana Jones I'm sorry about that uh, fourth movie Hopefully the fifth one uh, doesn't disappoint you that much. Don't count on it, though. Uh, but I would say keep an eye on it because Pinball FX does go on deep sale uh, for their DLC. Uh, pretty much every Steam, uh, Steam sale. And matter of fact, right now, two of them are 66% off, bringing uh, the Jurassic World one down to 4 bucks. Is that right? Yep. Pinball FX, good, good game. Good game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the Iron Oath. This feels familiar. I think maybe a few weeks ago you got it. Um, although maybe I also maybe I've seen it somewhere and I just can't place where. But anyways, this is a uh, turn-based tactical RPG with a you know medieval um, mercenary company that you are running. Um, magic you know, mystical, magical creatures. You gotta maintain your company, keep everybody alive, manage your finances. It's right up my alley. Just if only there were big stompy robots in it. Although, <laughs> granted, a couple of those exist now that are really good. So I want to pigeonhole this into that too. But I mean, I love this sort of thing. Turn-based tactical RPGs, managing, you know, a force of some kind. Like, I'm in. The art style is, is you know, very pixel art sort of feels like how i remember games from the 90s being you know like that's what it it feels like to me and i'm i'm in on that so i got young souls a a 2d uh, action rpg 
not Diablo esque. Uh, I think uh, uh, Fatal uh, uh, Full Metal Furies. Okay. Only, uh, only uh, kind of uh, more hack and slash. Uh, it has this odd uh, 2D, 3D uh, art style. Not quite how Octopath Traveler did. But, you know, where it feels like sprites uh, in a 3D world. With uh, some mini games to build up uh, characters, uh, stats, and some uh, interesting uh, storytelling, it sounds like. Uh, with uh, parallel worlds uh, and uh, kind of a fantasy setting. Uh, on one of the worlds, at least. Uh, I, sort of Neo Cooney almost, where you know, uh, a, a mundane world and a fantastical world. Yeah. So, yeah. So I got a game called Farthest Frontier. This is a city builder. Um, it says protect and your people and forge a town from untamed wilderness at the edge of the known world. Harvest raw materials, hunt fish, and farm to survive. Craft items to trade, etc., etc. So, looks good. Good graphics. Good. Got uh, a demo. No price tag yet, but seems uh, seems interesting. I'm I got into it. Heroes Hour, a procedural uh, generated uh, RPG with real time combat. Mm-hmm. Develop cities and armies, level up uh, your heroes, and gain new and powerful spells and skills. And explore the wonders and dangers of a procedurally generated map as you aim to conquer your enemies before they do the same to you. It has a very old, like, 90s-esque uh, RP- or, uh, uh, RTS feel to it on the graphics. Uh, you know, the like World uh, Warcraft 2-esque. It does seem like uh, multiplayer is kind of dead, but combat-wise, it looks like it gets really frantic. Yeah. It does say it's real-time, though, so I'm not sure just how they handle that. If it's like, you know, check back in. I know that the uh, that Steam can handle games like this. Uh, yeah, it pops up a, a notification when something happens. But... It could just be an accelerated time as well. It's it, it, it says real time, but then it goes in and says that the uh, 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 major combat is turn-based, so it's just odd. Not sure exactly where they're going with this. But it's not too expensive. It does look like they're doing another game in the uh, in this world as well, or you know, this kind of expanded world. Mm-mm. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, nope. That was the end of my queue. Now, if you've got a bunch of games, I w- would be willing to start another queue. Um, but I got five. I'm towards the end, towards the end of mine. Yeah, I got five out of that queue, so it was yeah. a good solid queue. Yeah, that one doesn't look too impressive. Believe it or not, I didn't get any porn games this week. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I know something's wrong. I did. I did towards the end of my queue. I got Will You Snail. And uh, have a have a nice death. <laughs> well, kind of uh, a fitting duo, right? I got Ghostwire Tokyo. Nice. Uh, Tokyo's population has vanished, and deadly supernatural forces prowl the streets. Yeah, like you do. 
Use the arsenal or use an arsenal of elemental abilities to unravel the truth behind the disappearance and save Tokyo. This is from the same developer that's done Evil Within. So, a fitting uh, developer, at least, right? Yep. You know, kind of the hidden uh, supernatural in a mundane world. It's not out yet. It's coming out in just a week and a half. It'll be out uh, the 25th. It does look like it has a uh, demo slash prelude, so there is that. I'm just quickly going through the rest of my queue. I got this one and one and possibly one more after it. So, uh, who's ready for another town builder? Woo, me. Give me another town builder. The Furthest Frontier. Uh, protect and guide your people as you forge a town uh, from untamed wilderness at the edge of the known world. That's the one I had. That oh, was the last oh, one was? I had. Oh, I, yeah. I, I must have not heard the name, so. I'll... That's okay. Hey, it showed up twice. We both liked it. Yay. Or thought it was interesting enough, at least. Yeah. Uh, and my last one is your roguelite. So yeah, uh, I just I must have just yeah I just must have missed the name and didn't catch it. Yes, okay. Team has got a JRPG sale on right now. Three fourteen to three twenty one. I just noticed that I'm yeah, browsing yeah. the front page. Well, John Vampire Lady, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. There's another one. There's um, that's the big one. That's like the main banner, and mm. then underneath it is a sale for just JRPGs in general. Mm. Oh, don't tempt me. I, I just uh, bought a Switch game, so. Right? Yeah. Which I'll probably be talking about next week. Uh, been doing some hunting of monsters. Woo! And who knows much, uh, uh, when the PC version of uh, the previous game in the series goes on sale. Who knows, maybe uh, jump in on that with you. Yeah. Damn, uh... Let's just put it this way. Go to the JRPG sale. There's the porn games. <laughs> I'm... Nice. Ooh, here's one called Latex Dungeon. I'm not gonna not gonna put that one in. Uh oh, here's another one. This is called Robe or Rub Rob Reb. Whatever. The breasts are exposed for your pleasure. That's all that matters. But uh, yeah, so that's your cue done and my cue done. So then, uh, hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with them socials? Oh, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can uh, see me tweet every so often over at GameUSCR. Or if you used to be my friend over on Steam, you can do so. Caffeine Rage. And you've been? I've been me, Jared. You can find me. And you're sorry. You're st- <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not sorry. If you want to find the archive that's posted to YouTube, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. But mostly I'm just on Twitter at jma4707 i've been posting or tweeting a lot about tabletop stuff like because of the algorithm i posted a couple of tabletop things and now i'm i'm buried in tabletop related posts i've been posting a lot about tabletop stuff uh which is fitting because also i appear on twitch streams it's twitch.tv slash runic arts playing tabletop games where i play a uh evil vampire man and also i'm running a game about my favorite stompy robots BattleTech. That's yep. That's it. <laughs> well, you kind of abruptly uh, ended, so I wasn't sure if you had more. Right? Nope. You're good. But that—that that is it. So, 
Well, once again, if you wish to contact us, VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, tweet them to us, VGLpodcast, or drop by the uh, Discord, which you can find over at VGLpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to share the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGLpodcast. Our intro down and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly-doo, also by Kevin McLeod. And his work can be found at Incomputech.com. And... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.